Amazing. Thank you, Mark, and the church family for reading our reading today. It is such a joy and privilege uh, to be bringing God's word to you today. If I haven't met, uh, my name's Chris, uh, the children and youth apprentice uh, coming worker next week. It is such a joy to be started as children and youth worker next week. And it's, I've been praising God this week. I've been coming to this passage, and I've been reading through this psalm that we're going to be talking about now. I've been delighting in him for giving me this psalm to preach on for my first ever sermon. Because often when it comes into new things, my proud heart goes into them and thinks, oh, I really want people to think I'm going to do a good job. I really want you, the church family, to think, oh, that's really good what Chris said. I really am seeking praise of other people and wanting to impress. Or sometimes after it, I'm left thinking, how did it go? Was it good? Did this sound good? But this psalm reassures me, I do not need to think like this. I can come and preach God's word and be content with a humble heart coming to you today. And so I've been praising God all week for this, knowing it's only him that can work for us today, knowing it's God that's going to speak in me and through your hearts today, knowing that I can't bring deep spiritual change in your hearts, but he can. I can be content in him. And it's not an easy psalm to live out, and I'm sure throughout uh, this sermon I might gravitate to those feelings of pride and longing to seek good uh, from other people. And as Charles Spurgeon, a famous Christian preacher, once said, this psalm is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. So we're going to need a lot of prayer, right? As we come to God's word now, we're going to need to ask God to work for our hearts. So why don't I do that now? And also I'm going to do something different. I'm going to pray as we go through this sermon, praying that God can continually speak to us and also at the end. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you so much for the way it has spoken through into my heart this week. I pray that you can speak into the hearts of the church family now. Amen. So this is our last week in our summer series, thinking about the songs of ascents, different poems and um, psalms that were said and sung by the pilgrims as they traveled up to Jerusalem. And I wonder, what is your go-to song as you journey through life? What is that song that sets you up for the day? That song that maybe is your alarm and you wake up to, or the song you sing to in the shower? So often this song, it sets your vision for the day ahead and reminds you what your focus is. Well, for me, each Saturday morning, I would wake up and I would sing my song, and it goes like this. Swansea, oh Swansea, oh city, said I, and so on. Fortunately for your sake, I'm not going to sing the whole of the Swansea song or even all the songs. Some of them are probably not good to sing in church as well. Um, but as we sing these songs, as I sing the Swansea song on a, sun, a Saturday morning, it sets my focus for the day ahead. It reminds me it's match day. Swansea are playing. Whatever music we listen to, whatever is our song, whatever is our tune, on a Saturday morning, it influences our day ahead. 
And in the same way for David and the people of Israel, as they sung their songs of ascent, as they headed up to Jerusalem, it reminded them of their vision, why they were traveling to Jerusalem. They were uh, pilgrims, and they were heading up to Jerusalem as a complete reminder of what God has done for them. As they traveled up to the three festivals, the festival of the Passover, the harvest, and the tabernacles. All three pilgrim feasts celebrating what God, the Lord, has provided for them and done for their salvation. As they journeyed up to these festivals, they were reminding themselves that it's not by themselves they're saved, but it's all God. God has done everything for them. And that is my hope and prayer this morning as we come to this psalm that we'll be singing these songs of ascent, that these songs will be ringing in our heads as we remind ourselves that it's all God, not us. He has done everything. That these will become songs that we can sing every single day of the year, not just on a Saturday morning, as we put our hope in the Lord now and forevermore. Why don't we turn back to page 625, and have a look back down at Psalm 131. And if you were here last week, you may notice as you look down, the psalm maintains the same theme. It concludes with the words, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. But this time, it's not just a consequence of feeling guilty from sin, which we heard about last week. But David wants us to put our hope in the Lord in all situations. And in the psalm, David reveals to us what true hope in the Lord looks like. As we see what it's not in verse 1 and what it is in verse 2. So first of all, verse 1, we can see true hope is not prideful. True hope is not prideful. Let me read verse 1. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Here David is given a wonderful picture of three areas of surround pride where the battle has been won. If we have our hope in Jesus. First, my heart is not proud, Lord. So often pride comes from within ourselves, from our heart. Where we want to big ourselves up, we want to look highly upon ourselves. Second, my eyes are not haughty. On the contrary, pride and arrogance not only makes us look highly upon ourselves, but also, in this case, low on others. We look down on people. We become the Pharisees of this world. Finally, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Pride leads to occupying our minds with so much. We strive to answer all the big questions in life, even the answers that hasn't even been revealed to us. For those that have true hope in the Lord is those that are not proud. And yet, this is so countercultural, especially in here in London. We are in a city that is full of people that are looking high upon themselves. 
and looking down on others. We concern ourselves with so much. We want to climb the ladders of life. We want to get the next job. We want to get loads of money so we can buy a house, so we can have a relationship, get married, have children. We want to climb the ladders. Why? So we look good. And we look better than others. And so as we read this verse now to ourselves, how do we read it? Do we read it as people that are living in the hope of God, or do we read it as people that are living in the culture we live in today? If I'm honest, it's so easy for me to miss out the knots from this verse. And read it like this. My heart is proud, Lord. My eyes are haughty. I do concern myself with great matters and things too wonderful for me. I see that in my life. I can be proud. I look highly upon myself. I think of the times when I've had a really, really good week. Maybe I've scored a hat trick in my six-a-side football game, or maybe shared the gospel with a friend. And what do I do? I make sure that I ask every single person I meet that week how their weeks have been. Why? Because then they ask me how my week has been, and then I will tell them how incredibly, amazingly Christopher David Durkin is. Do you do the same? Or so often we look down on other people. This week I went on a lovely walk with Kayla, and we were just outside the Tower of London when a little kid, probably the age of around 10, says, wow, is that Windsor Castle? What is my first thought? What comes to my mind straight away? Do I say to Kayla, that's so cute? No. I mutter the shameful words, what an idiot. This is London, not Windsor. I look down on people. My proudful, sinful heart, it is such a shame. And we all do it. We all look down on people. Maybe it could be someone that people wear it. The things people say, their interests, the things people like, their friends. We so often look down on other people. And finally, I often concern myself with things too wonderful for me. On the Monday night, I've just finished my six-side football game. What comes to my mind? I'm thinking about, am I going to win next week? I will never know. But God knows. On Wednesday, I'm heading to Inspire Group, and I'm thinking, what is the food going to be tonight? I will never know, but God knows. On Friday, approaching Friday Night Lights, our youth group here at Inspire, and I'm thinking, how many people are going to come? I will never know, but God knows. And so often, my mind wants to know all the answers to the big questions in life, rather than trusting God the one who knows all things, whose promises never fail, who has revealed to us so much in his scripture. I am so often proud. But these verses, they set us free from needing to feel like that. Now that our hope is in the Lord. They wonderfully have the word not. I'm not haughty. I'm not, uh, proud. I'm not proud, I'm not haughty, I'm not concerned. As people who have and live in the hope of the Lord, we can say these verses for ourselves. 
It was true for David. He could have easily been proud of the kingdom he had. He could have easily looked down at other nations or could have easily questioned the length of God's forgiveness as he looked at his horrific sin inside himself. But instead, in this psalm, he reminds himself, it's all God. God has done everything. All the victories are God's, and so he is not proud. And so he is not haughty, and he does not concern himself with great matters. Because it's all God. God has done everything. And it's the same for us. If we are living in the hope of Jesus, we can sing this too. By nature, we are all sinful people, but we are saved by the grace of God. He has humbled himself to death, even death upon a cross for each one of us. There is nothing we can do except put in our hope in him. Christ has done it all. We can stand humbled at the cross. Oh Lord, would we not be prideful people, knowing that it's by your grace alone that we are saved? So as we um, see that true hope is not prideful, but the often the danger of thinking this is that we go from one extreme to the other extreme, and then we become people that look down on ourselves. We become doormat Christians that lives a miserable life, but that is not the Christian faith. Verse 2 helps us to see that true hope in the Lord is a calm, content child. True hope in the Lord is calm, childlike contentment. Have a look down at verse 2. But I've calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. For those that have their hope in the Lord, we are like a weaned child. This is a child that no longer is completely dependent on its mother. The mumps of wailing and crying are over, but they simply just love the presence of their mother. They choose to be with her. Obviously, at 23 years old and unmarried, I have very limited experience of this transition. But it's been a joy over the last two years as children and youth apprentice to be able to see this at play as the children move from crash into jam. The first few weeks can always be a bit um, scary for them. They leave their parents for the first time. But then over time, you can see this trust grows. And then they really are free to enjoy the jam sessions, knowing that when they head on up back upstairs, they trust their parent will be there. To give them that amazing hug as they see them again, provide them with that snack. They're free to enjoy the jam session because they have the trust in God. God? Their parents. They can have complete trust in their parents as they transition from those early months of wailing to now complete childlike trust. And it's the same for us. If we have our hope in the Lord, we can mature into childlike people. Coming to God not out of fear or panic or like robots, but freely in love and faith to our Heavenly Father. The more we trust His perfect provision, the more our souls are calmed and quieted. We won't try to control every situation, but be confident in the Lord, our Heavenly Father. 
patiently waiting, knowing he knows best. He's got us. And as we do that, this leads to true contentment. Look at the end of the verse. Like a weaned child, I am content. As believers, through ups and downs, through lows and highs, through accomplishments and failures, pain and suffering, all situations, all we need is the presence of God to console us. We might not understand all the big questions to life. Why does God let certain things happen? But as verse 1 reminds us, this doesn't matter. We don't need to concern ourselves with these things. Why? Because we are people who are content in the arms of a loving Father, we can confidently trust in the Lord, knowing he's got us. Why don't you reflect with me now on your last year and think of all those jaw-dropping moments when you just realize it clicks. God provides. I think back to my last year. So many times that just happened. On one occasion, I was going on holiday. And I was leaving uh, some of the other volunteers in charge of Friday Night Lights. And it wasn't just a normal Friday Night Lights, it was our Easter special. And I was left thinking, will it still go the same? Is everyone going to still turn up? Is there going to be still good conversations? What's going to happen? Is the night going to be good? I come back from holiday. I hear there was record number of people at the Easter special. I hear there was great conversations that was had and loads of fun. God provides. How humbling, but also reassuring that God has got us. The more I hope in him, the more I am content in all circumstances in life. He's got me, and you, if you hope in the Lord. As children, come to your loving Father, put your complete trust in him, and he's got you. And that is what Jesus did. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, because he was confident the Lord would provide his Father. And he did. He raised Jesus from the dead. And as the verse continues, And he, that is Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus put his trust in the Father, and so can we. Lord, I pray that we will become childlike people, content in you alone. And as we feel this, as we see this, we'll be coming more hopeful of the joy to come. As we see this great picture of these verses, and I'm trying to think about my script that I've definitely left on a side somewhere. But um, as we see this incredible hope, of the joy to come from these verses. It might be somewhere in there, Kathleen. Thank you so much. Um, wow, this is why you've got to be calm and content in the Lord, isn't it? Thank you very much. Um, what a joy. We can hope for the Lord and he will provide scripts out of nowhere. Um, brilliant. So seeing this true hope in the Lord is a calm, childlike hope that leads to complete contentment. I want to make sure that I am hoping in the Lord. And I can feel this too. And that is what David is longing for too. As you see in verse 3. Have a look down. 
Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Inspire St. James, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I wonder what you hope for day to day. Is it hoping for maybe good grades? Hoping for a new job? Hoping for a relationship? Or like me, is it hoping each Saturday morning for your football team to win? We see that at the start, right? As I cheer for them in the morning, it sets up my day. It reminds me of what I'm hoping for in that day. The problem is, four games in, Swansea have still not won a game this season. Whatever I'm hoping for, it never happens. Well, sometimes it does. For this season, clearly not. Four games, all um, no wins. Whatever we hope for, we are so often let down. But it's not the same if you put your hope in the Lord. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4 says these amazing words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Our Christian hope is living hope. It is hope that it's certainly come true. It was hope that will never spoil, perish, or fade. So inspire St. James, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. We as a church can confidently put our hope in the Lord. Knowing because of Jesus' resurrection, we have a sure and certain future of the glory to come. We as a church can confidently put our hope in the Lord forevermore. Knowing that in all situations, he's got us. Knowing even in the times of doubt, worry, pain, the reminder that God's promises always come true. Knowing that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world to die on a cross for us. So if he loves us so much, of course he will now bring us home into his arms if we trust in him. And the more we do that, the more we put our hope in God, we'll be living out verses 1 and 2. We'll be maturing into people that are not proud but humble. We'll become in calm, content children of God. And as we do that, the moment we put our hope in the Lord, we have him inside of each one of us. As we journey through life, we have Jesus inside of us, the very one who lived the perfect, humble, childlike life. It was because he humbled himself to the cross that we can now hope in him. So let's sing this psalm. Let's make it our motto for this academic year, putting our hope in the Lord as humble children of God. Knowing it's him who lives inside of us. Knowing we can be content in the arms of our loving Father. Knowing it's him we can be proud of, not ourselves. As the famous hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us says. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection.
Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for these words. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Thank you so much that there's nothing that we have done, but it's all you have done. Thank you so much that we can now put our hope in you. And we pray that we will do this. Pray that for myself and pray that for the church family, that we will be people that put our hope in you. And as we do that, please work through us to be maturing into childlike, content children of God. Amen.